the Low Key Podcast. And today we're going to talk about the new movie that just came out on Netflix called Uncorked, which follows a young black man growing up in um, Memphis, Tennessee, which is me and Aaron's hometown, for those of you that don't know. And he has the dreams of becoming a, uh, I'm, I'm going to butcher this word, a smolier, um, instead of following in his father's footsteps and running their family-owned barbecue spot. So, I think it's a massive sommelier. I might massive, also screw it up. Say what? Sommelier. Sommelier. Yeah. All right, Tim, help us out. Uh, <laughs> there's, oh, wow. There's a lot of good jokes in here where they keep saying he's a Somali. Somali. Or, a, <laughs> or Jesse Smalley. Um, I believe it's Somalier. Somalia. Hey, better than I do it. So okay. no, we'll, I'm the we'll only one who doesn't drink here. So yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's I'm, true. I'm not. I'm not allowed to anymore. Hey, because look, of some things. Look, little side note with that though. I was when I was watching the film. I was like, so that's what those guys are, right? Like I went to a wine bar not that long ago. Well, it was a while ago. It was back when I was single and going on random dates. I took a girl to a wine bar to show out, and I didn't realize how expensive that shit was. But anyway, I digress. Um, and, and the guy that was there, he knew everything about the wine. Like, he was just constantly bringing us out stuff. It was like he had it down to, like, a science. And I saw a lot of that in Uncorked, and I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, so, overall... This is the Rocky it, of wine movies. It, I, I mean, that, I didn't realize that there was, like, training involved in becoming a sommelier, and I am so impressed now. Like I guess I always was, but I'm so much more impressed. Like to do the to take a glass of wine and just be able to say where it's from is amazing. Right. Like oh, just props to them. Well, by, and by the way, this left out too is the here. main conflict of the story is that you know that's what what Elijah, the main character, is seeking to do. Um, however, his father wants him to take over the barbecue joint uh, that they have as a business. And, well, that his father has. So his father, well, his grand Elijah's grandfather started the business. He gave it to his father, and his father wants to pass it down to the son, Elijah. And Elijah's very hesitant because he um, eventually ends up saying to his father, you got stuck here. I, I want something else for myself, uh, maybe even something more. And that's the primary tension of the film. Mm-hmm. It's a cool movie because you can use it as kind of a metaphor for, like, you know, the parents work hard and build something, and then the next generation builds on it, and then the next generation wants to, like, go off and be an artist or something, and the pull to, like, stay within the family business versus to branch out. It was cool. I, I really like this movie. I don't know if you can tell. I thought it was really good. And no one else did. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, no, I didn't know if you had something else to say. Yeah. And, yeah. and I didn't know who, who's going to go first. I, I know Keith. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm sure you had thoughts, so, you know, I was kind of... Yeah, I don't know if, um, if, if anybody, if any of the audience heard us, but this is going to be a maybe some spoilers thrown here and there. Um, as far as my overall thoughts of the movie, I thought it was, um, I was real basic, you know, it was like, if, if people weren't talking about it on social media and it was just maybe just off trailer alone, or if I didn't know that it took place in Memphis, I probably would never look at it. Or I probably watch like, you know, the first 10 minutes of it and probably like kind of clock out of it, you know? Um, I think, it's, I guess there's nothing about the movie that kind of stands out to me. I do um, like the father-son dynamic, but there was also a lot of things that I felt that happened in the film that were very, um, it was very on the nose, I guess. like, like uh, say, say more, say more. Like, I literally knew the whole movie, like, before. Like, there was a certain point in time, I don't know when it happened, where I was like, the mom's gonna die. They're gonna have <laughs> tension because he wants to be a smolier and not not run the business. When the mom dies, this is gonna gradually bring the father and son back together. And then in the end, there's gonna be some type of situation where the where the father accepts what the son is doing. He may even help him out, or he may be there for him. And then you know the only only thing that didn't happen that I thought was gonna happen is that he becomes this master smolier but then there was a certain point even at that point where i was like yeah this is his first time they want to probably make it realistic and show his perseverance so he might not make it and then we just know that he gonna try again and do better next time that's the rocky of wine movies part yeah yeah i (laughs) what i like about it is that 
I thought it was going to be more basic than it was. Like there was a point about 20 minutes in where I just thought like, well, there's no problem in this movie. Like the conflict, his dad wants him to do one thing. He wants to do another thing. They're just going to combine them together. Like they're going to open a ribs place that also has a really good wine list. And that's the movie. Like, why do we need to do this for like two hours? I thought it was artfully done. Even if that was the movie, like I like the music, I like the setting, I like the actors. Um, but then it started throwing in all these complications that I honestly didn't think they would do. Because like when when Niecy Nash first gets sick, I'm like, they're not going to kill Niecy Nash. There's absolutely no chance that's going to happen. And then they do. Like they did some. Oh, by the way, spoilers. Um, they do some stuff that I did not. Some small coming. spoilers. No, you just did a huge <laughs> spoiler. <laughs> Niecy Nash dies. Don't, don't get worry. Too I, I was going to spoil it if you didn't, so don't sweat it. <laughs> Um, and I also, I felt like it just, it just wasn't entertaining enough too. like, I felt like, I don't know if I was expecting it to be more of a comedy or for it to have a little bit more charm to it. And it was, it was lacking, you know, because I feel like the conflict for me was not, the conflict wasn't big enough to, to keep me interested for that long, you know? But if, but at least if it was funnier, if it was actually like funny, I don't, I don't, I think it's more of the of a genre type of film, like a family genre. Um, I mean, a family um, drama. It, at least if it was at least more of a comedy, it would make it this the situation by itself more interesting. But I agree with Tim. There wasn't enough conflict in it. If it's if the main conflict is. Okay, like I know the mom's gonna die, but if the main conflict is this whole little conflict between him and his father. It's not. It's not really working with much for me for a movie, for a feature length film. So I'm a. I'm a disagree there, because um, I. So I. I don't know how you know on a scale how much Tim liked it, but I mean I liked it you know um, quite a bit. I think that um, I have a different issue with the movie um, than you do, but. As far as the conflict, I mean, I, th- I thought Elijah had a m- multiple things going on. So, I mean, there's a thing with his father. Uh, that's an issue. There's also, and you also are aware of this. So, getting to, you know, we'll have a larger conversation about Memphis and, and you know, and how the movie depicts the city. Um, but you are 100%, I'm sure, aware of how it can be trying to do certain sorts of things as a young black person in that city. Um, there are not a whole lot of industries that are booming there. Um, I wouldn't say that you're necessarily um, stuck if you stay in Memphis and you're a young person, but th- like, there's a limited amount of options for certain things that you can do. And then on top of that, there's a certain amount of, of pressure about, you know, do you feel like you're good enough to do certain things? Which Elijah does talk a lot about. And you do see this tension with him where he's trying to just, you know, really persevere. But then, for example, when there's that opportunity to go to Paris, he's like, he's almost lashing out at people a little bit because he's not getting the support from from his family, partially because it's not that they're not supportive at all, but they don't really get it. So he can't really go to them to discuss that issue. And he doesn't really seem to have a lot of friends outside of his family like he doesn't because it's almost like they he feels like they wouldn't get it or wouldn't get him in some way and so he can go to his girlfriend but that's kind of oh and then also like the uh the teacher of his who also took that example to be a master a sommelier who didn't quite make it but he will encourage him to go to school so he can talk to it about classmates his girlfriend and that's about it those are the people mm. who are encouraging him i guess I guess another thing too, I don't really care for Elijah as a character, okay. and 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 part of it, I think that's it's not it's not that he's not. Oh, I don't think it's anything from the the writer's perspective or the actor or anything like that that makes me not like the character. I think it's just my own personal bias about because just back to what you're saying, like growing up in Memphis, there's not that many opportunities, and I could, I. I felt I would be, I don't know, I, I was upset with the fact that we got a character, a black character, who has a family that's trying to leave him behind a legacy. I don't know anybody, I don't hardly know anybody back home that has anything like that. 
like anything that their father can leave leave behind for them. Like it's not the best thing ever, you know what I'm saying? It's not ideal, but it's something. A lot of us don't have it. Yeah, but he and I felt no, like cause, cause I, so. I'm not saying this is a disagreement with you because I agree with that, and I, that is definitely the situation as it stands in the city. I think you know, remembering too that this is like somebody in his his like you know early twenties. Um, people in the early twenties, they 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 consider themselves and what they want before having like this wider view. We we are more adult now. Like I think we, if if our fathers had that and they were passing some along us, we would take it on different. But in our early twenties, maybe not. Before you've had a chance to kind of take on the world and and go for wherever you want. Now his father did say you tried being a DJ, you tried this other stuff, and you didn't really stick with it. What 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 am I? To think when you say, "Well, now I want to be a sommelier," like, "Oh, I'm, you gonna stick with that too?" And and I mean, he was very condescending when he said it, but you know, I think he's frustrated knowing that also his wife has been sick, has had cancer, could pass away. He's not in the best shape that he's been in. He's mentioned it a few times earlier. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I do. You know, you would want young people to be more cognizant and and appreciate that. But again, that's we talking about young people, and I, I think. For at least for this character, that makes some sense. Even whether we personally disagree with whether he should be doing that or not, I think that makes sense for somebody at that age. I liked uh, the the actor Mamudo Athi. I hope I'm saying that right. Who plays Elijah? I'm definitely not saying it right, but I tried. Sorry. Um, I think he has like a really interesting energy. He has just like a different vibe that I'm used to seeing. He's a little bit nerdy. Um. But he's also like very like confident in his nerdiness, which I found I found strangely relatable. He has what um, we call um, no game game. <laughs> at least, at least as a character and as he's playing the character, um, where it's just like you ain't really got no no lines. You ain't you ain't really that smooth, but like you you come off somewhat confident, and you you have a certain air that that's comfortable, and you have some humor. And that's enough, you know, um, to to you know, uh, kind of garner a woman's attention and, and and you know be somebody who at least they give a shot, you know. If you did the thing where you explained how each of the wines was like different wrappers, that's the flat out dorkiest thing I've ever heard in my entire life, and I can't see how she wouldn't fall in love with him after that. Like just from just so endearing that he thought that was good. Mm-hmm. You know, and and look, some people might see say that that thing that happened early on when they, uh, when oh my god, what's the girlfriend's name? Tanya, isn't that her name? I believe it's no? Tanya. Mom? It's Tanya. Yeah, played by when, Sasha Compare, but I do not know the character's name. It's Tanya. I'm looking. It's at Tanya. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so when she goes into the wine shop with her girl, and she's like. You know, oh, that guy cheated on me eight times. Like, why you keep coming back to him? Because he got that D. Ha, ha. Hey, man. I know some people might see that. Oh, that's so... Why would you put that in? Making black women look bad, blah, blah, blah. Hey, man. People be saying that shit. I don't know. They say it. Like, a lot. No slut-shaming, man. She's an assertive, uh, assertive lady. <laughs> that's what she likes. <laughs> I mean, but it's it, and it's funny because you know a lot of women will say, "Oh, I want to, I want to meet a, a nice guy," and then they'll meet a nice guy and they'll give him you know, a shot. Um, but well, yeah, I, got, I, mean, it, I, got I, I thought that was just funny how they, they kind of. I got, I got a real uh, hang up about nice guy shit. Anyway, I don't, I don't, I don't like that term or phrase. First off, what the fuck is a nice guy? <laughs> like, let let let's start, stick on this for a second. Like, who determines? All right, what? I I know so many dudes. That say they nice guys. I'm like, who? How the fuck do you determine that you a nice guy? Well, like, other people. Uh, okay, okay, hold on, hold on. So, other so, people he, can he, make. Let's, the, let's do a far criteria, right? You haven't been to jail yet. That, that don't make fun. you nice. That means hey, you just hey, think it's hey, hey, I'm just throwing out a few. Pro- I'm, well, I'm trying to say, I, you I be think nice. all three of us are nice. I think all three of us are nice. <laughs> you, <laughs> I do. Usually, people who say that they're nice guys, they sociopaths. Like people who generally, every time they walk around, they say they're a nice guy. They kind of got some some manipulative sociopathic behavior going on. Tell us more if, about your past. It, 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 wait, if you say it like, "Why don't women like me? I'm a nice guy," then it's like he definitely something wrong with you. It's like I'm that's a feminist. Why doesn't she get it? Look, that's Not, what this the character in this movie Richie would say. It's it's like <laughs> it's kind of like you 
First off, don't no woman really want a nice guy. Let's start there first off. You know what I'm saying? Not in a nice guy. Not in a way. Break down your philosophy. What does that mean? Not in a way that a man defines a nice guy. You see what I'm saying? Like some uh-huh. dudes think that as a nice guy, I'm supposed to do everything she says. I'm supposed to kiss the ground she walk on. I'm doing all of this shit. Like you, we both know. I'm I'm assuming all three of us know that to an extent, you have to have a backbone. Like you got to put your foot down on certain stuff. You can't just be. But, but nice guy doesn't nice. mean pushover, right? Or doormat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, some people. That's what I'm saying. Some some men, when they say nice guy, they feel like I'm just going to do whatever it is to get her to like me. Per se. And that, is that really nice or is that you just being manipulative? Like if you know good and well you don't like going to no goddamn ice skating or no ballet, don't go take this girl to no ballet. You don't like that shit. Don't take her there. You know what I mean? Like don't try to be something that you're not. That's what I'm saying. Do you know nice people who've done this? Do. I know a lot of dudes do that. The majority of the ballet and they don't like ballet. I'm just using this as an example. The majority oh, no, of the, I, I, I was just one of you. The, the majority of guys that get friends on and they say that they nice guys and all this shit, they low key manipulative. They low key just trying to just get the ass just as much as um Lance is trying to get some ass over. So there. so a nice guy, for example, will go to the grocery store for a girl during a global pandemic. Yeah, but he would do it expecting something from it. You know what I'm saying? Well but not asking for it. Here's, yeah, but he would expect okay. it, and when he don't get it, he gonna be pissed off. I'm trying to tell you. I wish I could give credit. I w- oh, I saw this at the dog park. Oh shit! Okay, we went out for a hike. We went out for a walk, um, like around this reservoir, just because we like had to get outside. So we drove like half an hour, went to this reservoir. Everybody had their dog, and there's this woman with this guy, <laughs> and the guy is like walking six feet away from her, keeping social distance with the dogs. And I hear him go, "I mean, I could just stay over if it's easier." And she goes. No, that won't be necessary. Like, <laughs> she, she hit him with the, it won't be necessary. Right. <laughs> Damn. Like, he tried to, like, get the quarantine. Like, we'll just be together for two weeks. You know, probably we'll have some wine. Things will happen. We'll make a fire. And she was like, no, we're good. And then, like, it was the, it was, like, the temperature dropped. It was amazing. He was like, I'm out here fucking walking around a reservoir with you and your dogs. And this is, okay. That was a nice guy. That was a nice guy. Right. But I think, like. I think the key is the guy <laughs> you want to be the guy who is nice because and I wish I could give credit for who said this first I don't remember nice because you want to be not because you have to be right that's a different thing you know what I'm saying like like and also don't be nice when you don't want to be nice say no when it's time to say no you know what I'm saying that's that's all I'm yeah. saying like that, because because I feel like, and I I've been that person before. I feel like it's something that's some something underhanded behind it. Like I know there have been times where me or other people I've noticed they'll do things that's real nice for a woman, and then if the feelings is not reciprocated, he like, oh she's a bitch, oh she's this, oh she's that. Like she don't owe you no ass because you didn't spend sixty dollars on her. That's the Holden Caulfield shit, where you're like, I'm so nice, I'm always here for you, I'm sensitive, I'm thoughtful, and then you think that the guy who's just like, hey, let's hook up, is a dick. And, like, honestly, that guy's kind of more honest and direct than you are. That's like, why, in movies, when thing, I see the act, nice guy trope, I'd be like, oh, come on now, That's, that shit's not realistic. Even in this film. I, well, I can kind of see it in this film, because oh, this guy, oh, he's oh, kind of... Now, now, how is Elijah a nice guy? Well, no, Elijah, Elijah, but this the thing, though. You, he may he may not be, you know what I'm saying? But he do look like so. the type of dude that, that will say certain stuff and then be condescending or be an asshole at certain times too, like out of nowhere. Like he he he, 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 he was, but it, but he, he apologized and and, and you know right, but that's right. kinda like normal yeah. relationship that's, that's, shit. That's he was like normal. throwing stuff in the face about has you know, she was like, Well, why don't you go for your thing? And he's like, Well, why aren't you being a nurse? She was right, like, right. Yeah, that was kinda fucked up. <laughs> that was really funny. It's real hard to not seem like a snobbish asshole when you're a sommelier. Like, yeah. People, so are just, that, people are just waiting for you to say some shitty stuff. And right. you're like, oh, yeah, I uh, I have a yacht. Um, I'm super down to earth. I'm just a regular guy. They're always like, oh, really? Why don't you get on your yacht? Like, yeah, you can't, there's just some things you can't pull off that, I don't know. Have you sommelier, ever, you got to strike against you. It made me, when you said that, it made me think about something. Like, have you ever met a person that act like too cool? Well, I don't know. I don't know if Tim ever experienced this, but I would say uh, we've lived in New York. We've that is the city. 
actually. Well, what I'm saying, like, too cool, it's like, okay, I'm going to use this as an example. So, me and my girl, I took her to, like, what's considered to be a fancy restaurant. This place is, um, it was real nice, you know. You, it's one of the places that you dress up to go to, right? So, we had this um, waiter. His name was Keith, also. And he was a, he was a white guy, whatever. And at first, you know, he's he's kind of like real, real professional and stuff, right? Okay. And then, old, gradually, he started being like way too cool. Like, yeah. I don't know how to explain it. Like, like, like we like we smoke and pass blunts together, cool. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, okay. And then, you, you know what I'm saying? And then he started talking about his black friend and how they be doing this and doing that. And so, like, I'm sorry. All right, wait a minute. That, that's different from the way too cool guy. Right. But, but but prior to that, he was just cool. And then he just kept going. And I was like, damn, man, this nigga, this man really is just, is he is he being this cool because I'm black? Like, if I was white, would he be talking to me like this? No, nah, but see, that that is, that there's a point at which it becomes, like, a macroaggression. <laughs> where it's like why are you why, why is your addiction changing you know why why is like why are your shoulders now you know they will slump they, yeah don't say they slump like, like you you leaning forward you getting close like hey hey he, I don't even he, he no, I, don't, I don't mess with you like that like just go back to normal professional stuff like we in a business setting I'm your customer it Let's was, keep it there. It was interesting. Yeah. Like, it happened real quick. I don't know if he heard my accent and he was like, oh, shit, it's cool. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what it is. And then I, I've had times where, like, <laughs> this white woman at work with me, she, she used to always say, I want to be cool like you. Oh, you so cool. Oh, you so cool. So one day I just said, I'm really not cool. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not, I'm <laughs> and, and she thought, I don't know, she looked at me weird, but then, you know, I don't know. May, maybe I'm thinking too hard about it. I can be a. And what was the point? Well, well, I would say we we appreciate the everybody joining the low key TED talk. Uh, we'll be doing more of these mid episodes. Uh, macroaggressions, <laughs> ma- macroaggressions, nice guys, and I, I feel like we. Don't I, I can skip get some, and, and about, I could do a TED talk on that real talk on nice guys. There was there was a point when I I became very conscious of it, like around I don't know or early adulthood. Where every time I had an interaction with any black person, we kind of had to have the conversation about like fuck those racist people, like to like <laughs> to say just to this is like late nineties, early two thousands, just to like signal like you know I'm like the cool white person, right? Yeah. Like just so we're just, you know that there's only five of us and I'm one of the five. Right. Yes. Like, it was just like this thing that you had to do. It was it was stupid. It was like you didn't need to be done, but either out of my insecurity or out of just like over attempting to show good faith, I would definitely like go out of my way to point to that other bad person. So do I don't know. Happened in in um, when when you were watching Uncorked. Do you feel like that happened at any point in any of the characters? Oh. um... I don't know. I actually liked how Harvard was openly antagonistic to him. Yeah, um, I, I did too, actually. Mm-hmm. Be- because that felt, he had like a good, I, I felt like the whole Harvard subplot kind of disappeared. It was interesting where there was some very subtle, I thought, stuff going on where I, I know like the the reputation of Nashville, or I'm told the reputation of Nashville is a little bit like hoity-toity. Um, well, so recognizing from, from that you Memphis's live in perspective, yes, yes. Okay, so yeah. like the way that he just kind of disappeared, the the way that the character Harvard, who was from Nashville, just kind of disappeared on Elijah, um, and hung him out to dry, and was like, you know, my dad got me a job at our bank in Nashville. It's kind of like, ooh, Nashville. Like it did feel like this is the guy who like pretends to be supportive and like a partner and isn't, and well, just kind of disappears without any skin like off his neck off his nose but is when that he first no skin off my nose so when when somebody uh, this is another one of those young people things right so if you 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 end up learning this when you get a little older but if somebody says i'll go half on you with something and it's not day money don't do it you <laughs> just don't do it like it, it's it's <laughs> you know, like you 
circumstances might change. Like, we ain't talking about a couple day trip. We talking about some months. Anything can happen, man. Like, he could have said the wrong thing one time. Like, you don't know what the relationship between him and his folks. And unless you get that money up front, you, you just assume it's not real. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. um, and apparently, you know, to keep him on his feet, it was only like another 1500 bucks. At least that's what, what um, his mother sent over, largest mother sent over to, you know, help him stay the rest of that trip in Paris. So it wasn't like a ton of money, but he had already gone through his savings. His family had already, you know, um, raised what they could to get him out there. So um, we're, we're skipping a little bit of stuff, but essentially Elijah, his wine class ended up, uh, they had a, a um, I forgot what they're called. Um, when you have international students go from one spot to another. Um, uh, exchange. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. So they had an exchange program between Paris and Memphis and then, um, do, do you folks, think there are a bunch of Parisian wine students who are like, we need to find out about the real wine. We need to go to Memphis. So I will say, it, it just is a plot point. I was like, um, I can see if like this was a national program and they were bringing some other people from other cities. I'd, I'd be kind of shocked if Memphis was considered like a central wine spot. But I don't know that that sector. So I don't want to, you know, yeah, place any know. judgment. Maybe there's, a, maybe there's like a wine bourbon exchange. It could be. But that'd be Kentucky, I guess. Yeah, I don't know nothing. Yeah, yeah, Bur- yeah, Bourbon's definitely Kentucky, one hundred percent. Right, right. Sorry, Kentucky. <laughs> this you, Kentucky. Um, I do want to say, in general, like I said, I really did like the movie. I feel like um, if we're talking about the depiction of Memphis itself, um, I thought they did a really good job. Actually, um, it it really centers on a particular part of Memphis. Um, like there's a lot of places in Memphis you don't see. Uh, before the areas it's focused on, um. You know, it seems kind of like cause I can't remember like the new. Of, they only show a street a few times, stuff. huh? Wasn't a lot of downtown looking stuff. Downtown yeah, but it was more like uh, I'm trying to think where in South Memphis it was because at one point they mentioned South Second Street. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, they don't really. They never go into Midtown. Midtown is like uh, more of the. Well, I guess that's what a university it's might be, but they don't really show you anything around it. Um, Where's Bill Street? Bill Street's downtown. downtown. Ask the incredibly white person. So yeah. is Beale Street like? No, like we Memphis like that, right? Uh, it's not Beale far Street. away. It's not far away. I mean, I've done all the tourist stuff. That's all I've done. I've been. Yeah, there, I mean, like, you, you could get there in like five minutes if you knew what you were doing. Like, right. it's not far. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. What did you think about the music? The music. I love the music choices. Actually, mm-hmm. um, they, in some ways, like they they're really weird because it's it's a lot of old school you know, um, music, but then they'll come in with, like, this, this, like, real, like, grimy Memphis sound, which I know, and Keith, I know you know, um, and I think for a lot of people, it might be a little jarring, because the, it's, it's just not a similar sound at all to, to the music that has, like, when you're sitting around, the scenes are sitting around his father, you know, you're listening to, like I said, a lot more old school, when you're, when you're actually with, uh, Elijah, it's, it's a lot more that that newer hip hop. Like you yeah. get all kinds of different artists that that you know really kind of embody, yeah. you know, the, the current era. It's kind of it's kind of one of them things. I can't really speak on too many other like cities, but what I noticed in growing up in Memphis is that it's like you can't really depict Memphis without the music, right? Like it's it's all yeah. one, it's all 100%. one in the same. Because part of part of what is Memphis is the music. And it's not just, you know, of course it's not just the blues, it's gospel, it's hip hop, it's soul, you know what I'm saying? It's funk. Like And if you notice stuff. the music, all the songs they chose, no matter which era it was from, they they were oftentimes about struggle. Right. And another, or, or, or or attempting to overcome struggle or or look at me now. And kind another thing that I noticed that's different from living out here is that, and and I might be overgeneralizing this by saying this, but most people that I know from back home, they listen to some of everything, you know? Like, you ain't gonna just meet a dude, I don't care who he is, that just listens to rap, and that's it, you know what I mean? Like, you, you they are still familiar with a little bit of, like, the old school, a little bit of soul. Because they um, grew up with it. Though. Yeah, because they grew up yeah. with it. I come out here, a lot of people don't know, um, you know, certain blues songs and stuff like that. You know, um, yeah, I mean, but Texas, Texas isn't like blues heavy. I don't believe. I mean, I don't know that for a fact, but it's um not not the same way. 
I, I don't really know what it is because it's the rap out here. Trash. And if you notice, they they even <laughs> they featured the Stax Museum out there too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just I, I guess that's the thing. Like you can't be from there and not be exposed to that type of music or variety yeah. of music. You know what I mean? It's I don't know. I, I appreciate a lot of what it did. And the other thing that was really interesting is, um, you know, the the locales they chose. First off, whoever the hell that cinematographer was. Oh yeah. A boss guy. Whoa, that was just just cold. Like, I mean, the movie is beautifully shot in every Mm -hmm. part. Like, I mean, everywhere you go feels like a spectacle. Like, whether you're in Memphis or Paris, like, they really just do a really great job of, like, just making you feel like you're present. And I really appreciated that French hip hop they threw in when they went to Paris. Like, it's just, you you had a young vibe the whole time. And, like, it's it's just got that energy and that presence. I don't know. I definitely, I definitely love the intro a lot. The the um oh, yeah. the first scene, you you know what I'm saying? We got this um what was it? Yo Gotti playing. Yeah, um, oh man. Yeah. We got, we got I, Gotti I, I was playing. getting in it, yeah. And then and then we sh- you seeing both t- two worlds, you seeing the making of wine and then the making of barbecue, you know. Yes. And it was like it was just so, it was beautifully shot in the music, you know what I'm saying? Like that would normally not really fit in with this particular thing, it was like perfect. Um, I also was gonna say, I didn't know anything about this movie till my girlfriend told me about it, and she showed me the trailer, and I said, "This must take place in Memphis." And it was mostly because of the music, <laughs> like because like, it don't really show you enough to let you know that it's Memphis. But I'm like, why are they playing all these Memphis rap and shit? You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah like, like, <laughs> well, and the thing, what's so funny is, see, I, I really wish I had had um, you know, more, COVID happening, so like it's kind of throwing off. You know what you can give attention to the same way. Some cases you got more time, less time, whatever. But whoever really did the the music choices, like they, it wasn't like they were picking national songs that, that came oh, and and, and I, prominence. Like these Memphis songs. I think it was on uh, Hit Boy I, did this. I, I went googling and like looked at people who I didn't know who they were um, at all, and pretty much everybody I looked up was from Memphis. I mean that I Ice on Shabu by Sleepy Knocks, like. First, a song called Ice and Shamu is the best best name for a song ever. And then I just like went on his Instagram and the dude is fucking ridiculous. Like he's yeah. so good. And every 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 song in there was incredible. And it's it's such a great I mean, the music just really fits so well. Um I just think they did a really good job. Um I will say too, I mean, I, I know like it's one of the things, oh, you can kinda of see it coming. Like it, it just like a flow chart. Like all right, the mama they, they at least you know she's wearing a wig and she mentions you know, she had like a couple years ago, whatever. So you kind of get a sense she had cancer potentially. Yeah. And, you know, I was like, oh, they may or may not kill her. Who knows? But, you know, <laughs> my mom beat cancer twice and she lives in Memphis and he kind of went through a bunch of stuff. And, right. like, I mean, even it was weird. It's like she had like the same phone my mom used to have. It was just weird stuff. But oh, I thought, like, the, yeah, it was super strange watching it. But um, it was really weird because there were a lot of things just simple threads that, that happened that I thought were really interesting. And just the way the family interacts with each other was very reminiscent of how some of my family interacts with each other as far as, like, checking each other at the table mm-hmm. um, and stuff like that. And just, you know, not having much of a filter uh, in, in some cases. But, like, in, in, a, in a good-mannered way, not trying to be, like, you know, cruel to people. Yeah. Um, you might have but, to explain to people what checking mean, though. Oh, uh, playing the dozens? Which they probably don't know either. Um, basically making fun of you one just, another you in a used, good-natured way. You just used a, a more <laughs> a more slangy way to explain the slang. <laughs> making fun of each other in a good-natured way is checking. It's not always good-natured. It's a, hey, 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 we, we ain't got to bring everybody in. We ain't bring I'm just saying, in. like, okay. middle, <laughs> middle school checking to had you in tears. I will yeah, t- yeah, tell you one thing about growing up out there, like, can't nobody really insult you after that. Like, if you grew up oh, in Memphis, no. you, you you made a steal after that. Like you, your your skin is so tough. Like, what can anybody really say? Like, people used to be saying shit. I I ain't never like they would come up with insults. The the funniest thing I remember one dude said I had cut <laughs> my beard off and he said I looked like a a, a soup spoon with glasses. <laughs> Jesus! And I tell you that shit was so funny to me, and it was this. <laughs> And, and this same dude, like he, him and this other guy, would like go back and forth. And now we grown now. This isn't this isn't like middle school, high school checking. This is like grown people checking at work. 
And this dude <laughs> gonna tell this one guy he looked like a pussy popping tarantula. <laughs> it's like it's a it's an art to it. I'm like, no, no, that's a, I had no, to say that. Is taking is like. <laughs> It's just like there's nothing like it, and it hasn't really been captured in media. Even this doesn't. Re- they don't really check each other like that. Nah, but nah, once they don't somebody's do that. gonna capture the essence of Memphis checking, and it's gonna be it's gonna have people gut busting. But like it's honestly, it's like no one has done the um, Rudy Ray Moore version of Memphis checking. Like oh, it just yeah, hadn't yeah. it's kind of like that. Um, have you ever seen those memes where they have like certain characters, and then they be like. Um, dudes in Memphis be like, and then it be like a check underneath it. <laughs> no, like like it's one where they got they got Christopher Reeve Superman. They be like, I, he said he it be like, oh you about to save the day, ain't it? Little cape ass, you know, what I'm like it be stuff like that. It be like it be like tight pants, little cape hat. And the thing about Memphis checking, sometimes they check you about stuff that's positive and stuff. Like you yeah, make an A or something, they be like, oh you smart, ain't it? Oh, oh, would it be like some, uh, I, man, I oh, know, I stay I, on I, the honor roll We'll let people, how about they go to Memphis and just, and just be amongst the people. You're here. I don't know. Do oh, people still check like that, though? Is it still Yeah, like yeah, that? they do. Okay. I don't know. I ain't you, not doing Nah, you, you, you in Texas. You ain't, you ain't around it. Yeah. I, I, mm-hmm. They yeah. don't like, I still get in group me, so yeah. Oh, man. You know who should write that? Who is that? One of you. One there's time. There's time. So you know maybe who's really good at writing dialogue. Who's that? Mr. Keith Denny. I'm reading Keith Denny's script right now. Um, you know I like your writing, Aaron. You know that. But I was yeah, reading Keith's I, dialogue. I and Keith's dialogue. You, you also you write dialogue that's just very straight dialogue, and it's no like, yes, we need to go back because Dad said that we needed to be there by five o'clock. Like all that expositional bullshit. There's none of it. It just sounds like people talk, and it's a pleasure to read. So. Appreciate Anybody it. listening, Mr. Keith Denny, good dialogue. <laughs> appreciate it, appreciate it. Aaron, I'm, I'm, I'm working on Aaron, also quite a writer, but I haven't gotten to say that to Keith before, so, yeah. We'll make it happen. I mean, like I said, that COVID is, is doing amazing work in both positive <laughs> and negative work. ways. Um, man, there was something else really interesting I was going to mention, and it's escaping me at this moment. Hey, also, oh, just in general, um, I just really want to just say I appreciated the hell out of the actors and, and how they yeah. handle things. I mean, everybody was so good. Like I, I really, from, from that standpoint, I really don't have any complaints. I, I just was captivated by the way that they did everything. Um, I do have one general complaint about the movie. Something I feel like took away from it in some ways that didn't really have to be there. Well, man, I will say, man, if if you if you are opposed to watching, you know, slaughter of pigs, you, you don't want to watch this movie. Uh, but, if you don't like wood, this is a bad movie for you. Lost <laughs> man, they getting fried up. Um, I don't know why the sisters there in the movie at all. Huh. And one trope that happens occasionally in, in black stuff, and I don't know why this happens, and, and you'll see it all over the place in a lot of different examples of like TV and film, they tend to have like a black woman who's present, who's there to be made fun of, but like doesn't add anything to the narrative. So like, mm. the sister, so like, you know, they talk about how the cooking is bad, and like she kind of goes back and forth with Elijah, you know, here and there. But if you notice, Elijah never calls her. Like, when he's struggling, <laughs> he, he calls all kinds of people. Never calls her. And when You're the right, mother she dies... Doesn't, she doesn't really never. play a, a part, really. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's a weird and... and like, so, she, so, cause, she don't cause even add like, to him it, as a character. Right, and so it's like, either do something with them, or... Well, excuse me, with him, with her? That, that involves Elijah, or have her have her own thing going but like if you take her out the movie doesn't really change but keeping her in is a negative the way you use it because she's only there to be made fun of and I didn't really like that I feel like they're trying to show that he's the only hope of the business going on but yeah I take your point I hear you I don't it's well just because it's it's a trope that happens a lot I feel like 
kind of in in a way that I feel like people aren't even doing on purpose, but it, it this happens so many fucking times, mm-hmm. um, in all kinds of examples, and I'm not gonna go through all of them now, but it's like, you know, give her more to do, please. Like, I'm I'm happy for that character to be present, but if she's gonna be there, like, don't make her just simply the butt of jokes, and that's about it. Right. It's kind of like they, like they mentioned. Oh, she she made some monk some bread that that the mama used to make, and that's it. Right, and it was okay. I mean, if, if you can make good monkey bread, that's a very good contribution. <laughs> they said monkey bread. It's not monkey brown. What the hell I'm talking about? Like I'm, I'm just tired right now. They said monkey bread. It was it monkey, monkey bread. Monkey bread's the best shit in the world. Is it monkey? But but I'm saying like, but did what did she make monkey bread? I thought she made the mom's monkey bread. Yeah, I think she did. But... Okay, I'm, I'm tired, man. I, I I thought it was something else. Like, cause it wasn't it wasn't um cornbread. No, it wasn't that. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, Ooh, I miss hot water, cornbread. Yeah, yeah, I need to go back home, yeah. but I can't right now. We can't. We're COVID. Um, God damn, COVID. You know uh, they probably they probably doing lots all drive-bys back home or something. all drive-by. I was <laughs> hey, so so something I was hearing. I was listening to the Right Time with Monty Jones before we started recording. That's a podcast about his um, personality on uh, ESPN. He does he, on, on the one he released today. He had Roy Roy Wood Jr. on. Um, so sorry about that. I almost said it incorrectly. Uh, who's a personality on Daily Show and does some stand up comedy. Blah blah blah. Uh, pretty funny guy. And um, they mentioned something really funny, unrelated to this movie, but since we're talking about COVID, right? Um, what happens to guys who have a second family? Oh, great question. Yeah, so it's like, okay. And I'm talking about like the second family where like where like both women in the house think they wives. Yeah. Like, how do you check on them during COVID? I'll tell you what I do. Just kidding, honey. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of weird things going on in the streets right now. Apparently, too, I didn't know this. You can't get your stimulus check. If you got back pay on child support, uh, child support. Oh Jesus! Yeah, man, it's rough out here. So, like, what? I don't know. Like, if you get laid off and you got back child support, like, what happens? There's so so much logistical craziness in there where I just saw Mnuchin on TV saying like we're gonna get it to you one way or another, and there's so many people who've like never had any contact with the government before and don't want any contact with the government. Mm-hmm. Like, but they want this money though. Yeah, it's going to be weird because the government's now going to have, like, somebody's telling me today about, like, how much more government there's going to be in our lives and how much more potential totalitarianism because now the government will suddenly have a way of, like, tracking everybody. Like, I started I started talking to Deirdre where I was like, Deirdre's my wife. It's wonderful. Hey. Um, <laughs> like, we, I was like, well, maybe at some point they'll say that, you know, people who've been quarantined and are healthy can still go out. And people who haven't like been, you know, passed through that process can't go out, and they'll stay quarantined. What if you're asymptomatic though? Yeah, and then I was like, how are they going to do that? And then I just started picturing like, oh, they'll just give everybody a barcode tattooed to their hand, and I'm like, that's not going to happen. Like, no one's going to go for that. You know, you know, another thing I was listening to um, some people talk about this on um, Dak Shepard's podcast, Mm -hmm. and it was pretty much the concept of what if. That COVID was nineteen was already here in the United States, and then like a lot of people have already got it, and they pretty much just like kind of got over it or whatever. But they could still like be carriers of the disease in a sense, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm be honest with you, I don't hardly ever get sick. Knock on wood. But like before yeah. all this COVID stuff had happened, you remember like all of us were sick at one point, and I don't know. I was sick as hell for like six weeks, like, and and it was like. And, and I understand, like, this is, like, flu season and stuff like that, but it's very rare that I, for one, get a fever. For two, like, felt like I couldn't breathe. You know what I mean? And and now I got asthma, so, you know, that happens from time to time, but not, like, with a sickness. And I think it lasts for, like, three or four days, and I just kind of just, you know, work through it, I guess, in a sense. And I was, I was just thinking about that. I was like, dang, could it have been that some of us already had it, in a sense? Let, let me so tell you something, though. Um... If you had COVID, you would know. Well, excuse me, the nineteen in particular, because what if I had fifteen? Probably not. 
that that ain't well, so so the, the the one thing I think the the, the, the messaging has been screwed. Well, sure, but I'm I'm saying like if if you think so asymptomatic different from being saying something like I got sick, I think I got over it. Because COVID-19 makes it such that it's difficult for you like your act, your capacity for oxygen in your lungs gets cut. Mm. So, yeah. so that's very different from being like, "Oh, I got some flu shit." I, we the messaging on this has been very very poor gotcha, from gotcha. talking about it's similar to flu to saying just old people can get it and all that kind of stuff. You know, we're seeing all across the spectrum a lot of different variations, and it's hard to tell. And people now at this point are thinking it's airborne. So you know, there's just a, a lot to figure out. I, I think it's just safe for people to just look. No matter what you think of people had it, people don't have it, whatever. Um, stay your ass in the house as much as you can. <laughs> Um, and, and seriously, like, treat this stuff, you know, like it really matters. Like, we're all Americans. Like, we, our health depends on one another because, you know, we are at this point probably like two degrees of separation at most from knowing someone who yeah. has had somebody who's either already passed away or struggling with it right now. Right, so, right. you know, if you're listening, please, like, take this here seriously. A lot of people, who, you know, you know, whether you think they famous or not famous, like who are getting this and passing away. Yeah, like in this country. So please, please, please yeah. take it serious. It's definitely big time serious. But um but on that note, I think we went I think we um talked about everything that we were gonna get in. Anything else you guys wanna share? I have one other thing that we should talk about real quick before we close. All right. I think at this point we can, um, and and I, I respect my elders, so I want to. I'm gonna say this a little aggressively, but I really oh, want to no. make this. You're point. gonna say, you're gonna say that we should just let the elderly die so society can go on. No, no, I disagree. Sure. <laughs> That's I a it. really bold statement, Cotton. Um, <laughs> no, 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 not not that, not that. Um, Monique, you're wrong. <laughs> what did Monique do? Remember how a long time ago she was talking about Netflix is is like you know not so she had this whole thing and look it was about a year ago at this point maybe a little longer where it's she long was long. saying how she wasn't gonna get paid what she wanted and all the stuff about Netflix isn't supporting black folks or some shit I don't know uh, there are so many different things that without Netflix's backing would not happen this movie is one of them I could never yeah. see a major studio making this film period and trying to yeah. support it in theaters it just wouldn't happen no. and so you know i just want to say that this is just another you know example of, of netflix really truly being about diversity and letting people do stuff um that they feel like is important and with their own vision um, mm-hmm. And giving them dollars to do it. I mean, the, the some of the actors, some of the talent they have, these are the people who are cornerstones of black cinema. And, you know, whether we're talking about Courtney B. Vance or, or Niecy Nash, mm-hmm. and there are others, like, I really want to make sure that we, you know, do recognize Netflix as been a beacon of, of um, opportunity for a lot of um, people of color. Even if we're just looking at shows... Uh, like uh oh my god what's it called dang it uh kim's convenience store or something like that yeah kim's convenience that's a great show that's it's a really good show, good show. And it's I, so funny so funny. but hard. but i don't know that it would have the the run it's had it, 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 you know as far as being on air in any kind of way without the sort of backing and they they have a lot of different examples you know for people of color where they're they're giving that support and i just want to make you know Really give Netflix another shout yeah. out for doing such a great job and letting people of color have their own vision and do their own thing. Because, right. you know, it, it doesn't always work out as like some amazing cinema, but I do think this is another great example of something really good that came out of it. Um, and, and I, you know, hope they continue on, on this path because it, 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 it's letting us tell stories that otherwise we wouldn't see. Right. And um, and even just to add to your point, not just, of course, for African-Americans and Asians, but you... You have Hispanics, they have their own shows and stuff. Whether it's um, you know, uh-huh. from from Mexicans and Puerto Ricans, but you got Spanish shows that are doing real well and stuff that people are, are like gravitating to and, and loving and stuff. Like um 
I don't know. It's, it's so much. There's man. one they, about I haven't watched it yet. There's one with young people out in California somewhere, um, and it's like on, on they, my block. Is that is that what it's called? It's on my block or something like that. It's I can't remember what it's called. I haven't watched it yet, okay, but um, this is a lot of really interesting examples where people have to be put in a box. And I also haven't watched that young show about like the um, the young black kid who has superpowers. What's that one called? Um, um, Raising Dion. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I haven't watched it yet, but. Nobody would make that show. No, you know, wouldn't make none of this shit. But you're right. That's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up. Tim, you got anything? Did you want to add? Yeah, just on behalf of the white community, I also <laughs> want to thank them for Tiger King. Um, I think <laughs> Tiger King represents <laughs> what we're about and uh, where where whites are going as a culture. We really appreciate it. Tiger King, man, is I was like, I ain't man. watched it yet. Feel free to spoil it. I'm gonna watch it. I mean, what, what, what y'all got to say about Tiger King? I don't know what it, it has such a allure to it. I don't know what it is. It's like, <laughs> and it's like you can't take your take your eyes away from it, right? Uh, I'm just. I would just say watch it. It's a complete mess. But then there's also there's also things that you like. Did Carol do it? Like, what you think, Tim? <laughs> just re- do, uh, what do you think? I was actively rooting against Carol, and I was yelling at the screen, "You do the same thing he does." Uh, <laughs> the exact same. Thing. I don't. I'm not saying she murdered anybody, but um, I did not find her to be a sympathetic character. Girl, I mean, they they all are fucked up, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, who who on there is just like some of them? This is is there anybody decent? Like, but they so fun to watch though. Like, I can listen to them people just talk all day. Even Curl, like she's. Oh, yeah. so, but think of the tigers. Yeah. That's all I know to say. Yeah, I haven't yeah. watched it yet. I'm going to have to watch it. So <laughs> Oh, and it's just, it's crazy. You got, you got that. <laughs> like. So, so, hey, one one random thing. Sorry, I, we were like really extended shit at this episode. But one, one random thing. And Tim, I don't know how much you have your thumb on this. Um, How is this, not just for, for Netflix, but just all over the entertainment industry, How's production for stuff getting impacted right now, um, thanks to the coronavirus? Good question. <laughs> uh, a lot of people who are in post-production are still in post-production and are using this time to edit as well as they can, being that they're not in the same room. Um, a lot of uh, husband and wife duos are really thriving right now because they're in the same <laughs> um, Assuming that it's, you know, that they only have one husband and one wife. Right. And uh, no kids yet. And no, no secret families. Yeah, um, they're not. They're not. Uh, what's the night? Doc Antle. <laughs> yeah, they're not I'm about Doc Antle. Kill my toddler. Say that. Um, <laughs> and um, I think it's a really good time for writers, honestly. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a good time. Let me, you know, take that with yeah, a thousand grains of I salt. Think we, we get it. We it's get it. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. A a good time in that one narrow way, in that introverts are inside working but i've also talked to a lot of writers who are so distracted by everything that they really can't um focus on writing so yeah so do you guys think i mean uh, you know we've seen you know typically when tragedy happens there's art that is um like we see that reflected in art in some way um what do you guys kind of expect to see going forward uh, that will have some sort of clear influence from COVID nineteen. I think they'll be really like. Good, are, are, are we going to see a bunch of like I'm in the bunker stories? Please no, please no. I feel like <laughs> I feel like the first day somebody did a like a web series about a couple who are trapped together while they're quarantining, and I was like, good idea, very topical um, that day. But I feel like. If there's a slew of like pilots next year about like this couple are stuck together under the same roof, it's gonna be like, oh my god, this is the hackiest thing ever. And <laughs> if there's like a million movies about a virus, it's gonna be like, no. Like, I mean, after 9 11, the way that people did not want to see movies about 9 11, I think it's gonna be kind of like that. It's like if you do it, do it like 25th hour, where it kind of glancingly mentions it in a really impactful way, but doesn't, isn't like the 9 11 movie because nobody wanted to see 9 11 movies. Yeah, and and uh, outside of Empire, do you know of any other shows that have um, like had to um, shorten seasons? I mean, Empire was in its final season, and and now they're oh. not gonna have their their 
final show. Like, they, like so I think they did, they're going to, they had episodes 19 and 20 that they were still shooting and they can't finish them because of the virus. Fargo just stopped. I mean, I think a lot of, oh. basically almost any project is just dead in its tracks. And, you know, good for them to take that hit for everybody's safety. Yep. Um, no, agree. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we can wait. There's enough TV. Um, we'll, we'll catch up. We'll definitely, as an audience, I will definitely be there and we'll definitely be appreciative of movies that um, put things on hold for the greater good. Perfect time for the writer's strike, baby. <laughs> get, get your money. Get your money. Seriously. Yeah. I also feel like there's a bunch of old black women right now talking about the rapture. Like, they know for sure it's going on right now. <laughs> well, <laughs> same, thing so I, so same thing with QAnon. Same thing with QAnon. They are sure. Right. Something's, are. something's uh, going wrong. Uh, this is, this I saw, is, this is like it. Day two, when I saw the Jeffrey Epstein theory, that uh, this was all part of a cover-up for a series of arrests what? of everybody from like... Oh, oh did you see, did yeah, you see with the, all the celebrities that are going to get some... Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm, let's not get yeah. into that. <laughs> let's not I'm get like, into I'm that. Like, I'm like, usually I would go check the New York Times to see if Oprah's really getting arrested, but on um, this one, nah, I'm pretty confident there's uh, hey. no truth to this one. Hey, just so the audience knows, like, so... <laughs> Tim and I... Look, I, did, I don't even think I said anything. We were both awake, I could tell. The, whatever <laughs> was going on with people saying Oprah was, was doing what she was doing, Tim was awake like, hey, it's false, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you don't see it on a reputable news source. And it was like yeah. two in the morning for me, and I was like, "Oh, Tim's awake." Oh my god! It, well, it like jolted me awake. It was like, "What? They're going after Oprah?" No, you stop no. this right Oprah now. Gave, Oprah gave a million dollars today to hunger to prevent hunger in the United States. Right. Um, Man, that's o- ridiculous. Oprah, Leo DiCaprio, um, a few other people. Thank you, uh, people Marine, for help. Marine jobs. Thank you for yeah. that. And seriously, Good for them. Yeah ridiculous what's going on right now <sighs> all right so that's all i got I, i've i've prolonged this quite a bit I, apologies I, I hope it was entertaining at least to, to hear us ramble a little bit more um keith any final thoughts from you um i don't have any final, final thoughts, thoughts. Um, yeah. not not that's really but talk. but since y'all mentioned um oprah giving a million dollars <laughs> To, for poverty, um, my birthday is next. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't. So, so first off, well, you know we, how don't, we don't like where this is going. I don't know when this episode is coming out, but like um, my birthday is gonna be April the ninth, and so I just want to encourage people to donate to a charity of their choosing. Or um, you know, on my on my birthday, I also put like on my page like where people can donate. I'm trying to do like a small little campaign for St. Jude. Okay. And, um, and I know, Aaron, you, you're familiar with St. Jude. I don't know if Tim is, but they um, help out a lot of families with um, kids who are suffering from um, terminal diseases. And um, they're a nonprofit organization. And I was just thinking, like, you know, just to, just to bring awareness on this particular day, which is the day of my birth, you know, maybe to get some type of thing going on to help people in need. Because right now, this is a time for solidarity and, you know, not fighting over toilet tissue. So... That's my yeah, last. That's my last thoughts on that. All right, now I know what I'm getting you for your birthday. Yeah, that's it. That's cool. Charmin. Okay, cool. You like no. Charmin, right? Huh? No, that was not the lesson. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, <laughs> not, not tissue. That's not. That's not it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I got. You know, I got a shower. You know what I'm saying? Like. Wait. Oh, okay. Wait a minute. So, what do you guys use? Are you using Kirkland? Are you using Charmin? Like, what are you using? I don't know. I just, I just bought. I, I've been had toilet tissue. Like I, um, <laughs> I'm, so I'm not even gonna roll be, with Tim. This shit. Before, before this, it, at least it wasn't a coin on the cob. So before got, this, I'm, all I'm happened, carrying a roll of tissue. a giant roll of paper with me everywhere I go. It stays, it stays right. by my side constantly, just in case. Paper towel. Is, is it, uh, <laughs> is it drenched in hand sanitizer? I'm not picky. All right, cool. Yeah, because there, there has to... I don't know what was this big deal about toilet tissue. I mean, there, you know, there's a thing. So if you run out of toilet tissue, you got paper towels, you use paper towels. You run out Matt Stone and Trey Parker were in front of this when SARS happened. They have some... If you if you have time, everybody in audience, please go back and watch the SARS episode of South Park. It's, it's really topical. <laughs> I think it's the only thing that Trump has ever said where I was like, I agree with him when he was like, yeah, I don't know what the deal is with the toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> We're all confused. I think 
Okay, I digress. So, um, that was good. So, so thanks for tuning in with us, and we out of here. Yeah, while inebriated, follow us on social media, give us a review, all that goodness. We'll holler at y'all on the next one. We talk about something that's going to be good, too, and have many tangents related to whatever's going on with Rona. Right. I'm totally sober. Uh, props to you people, too. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, Uh-oh. man. Yeah we're, yeah, we're the ones. My apologies. We're the ones. We are the darkness. <laughs> oh, wait, man. <laughs> that's, that's funny in multiple ways. <laughs> peace, everybody. Thank you for listening. Right. See y'all next time. Yeah, peace. <laughs>